So visualize, daydream, set lofty goals, and go after them with an uncanny focus. You might be smarter, your daddy might own a company, but you will not outwork me. This one right here is for the people. I'm your host, Ryan J. Owens, current pro athlete, entrepreneur, and former USA national team volleyball player. I will not be defined by my athleticism alone, but I've learned how to leverage it, to stay passionate about it, and prepare for life. That's why the Beyond Athletic podcast was born. I'll bring you case studies of current and former elite athletes making it happen in life, as well as tips and lessons from top sources in sports, nutrition, fitness, entrepreneurship, and more. I'm here to tell you that you are beyond athletic. Hey there, everybody. I just want to say I am so, so excited to be launching Beyond Athletic again. It's been so long since I recorded an episode and here we've already in the last couple weeks recorded eight or so. So look forward to those coming in these coming up weeks. And I'm really also excited because there's a new partnership between Beyond Athletic, Elite Sports Students, the projects that I have to help educate, empower, and really support athletes worldwide in terms of joining up with Fit Across Cultures. And Susan Saltzbrenner is running that project. And we are right now co-hosting literally today and tomorrow, the 15th and 16th of March, what is called an Athlete Blab. And it's a two-day event with 10 topics from nutrition to mobility, like you're going to hear about a bit in this episode, to finance, to finding colleges as a foreigner, or finding teams, you know, after college, or how to retire gracefully. Lots and lots and lots of topics. We also talk about self-development. I know that we're definitely going to be talking about podcasts during that self-development part, because that's part of developing as a person is really investing in yourself and by listening to this today you are investing in yourself and I hope that you will invest in other people by sharing this with them and allowing them to grow as people as athletes so I welcome you back to Beyond Athletic make sure if you haven't heard past episodes we've had some amazing guests on from Olympic silver medalist Heather Bowen to one of the national champions as a young Serb in America, Sanya Tomasevic, Anya Spasujevic, uh, we've had so many athletes. I know I just named a bunch of Balkans players, but uh, there's there's been so much interest in telling their stories. And we've also had on some experts, you know, Sean Stevenson of Sleep Smarter book that's just launching and the Model Health Show, one of the best health shows rated on iTunes. We've had on also, Kevin Can, we've had on experts like Kelly Starrett of Mobility Wad and the author of The Supple Leopard. Um, we've had on Dr. Stacy Sims, one of the leading specialist experts in hydration and nutrition. 
Uh, so there's been so many and just go check it out beyondathletic.com. Type in whatever you want to learn about a keyword or one of those names that I just gave you and enjoy it. But today we've got on a special guest. I started working with him just a couple weeks ago and immediately understood that I had to have him on and that he would be one of the perfect guests to get this show off and running again. So I knew he'd be one of the first ones. It's turning out that he's going to be the first one. He's actually speaking in the event. So check that out. I'm going to link up the event in the show notes. I'll also have it if you just click this album art. If you're watching this on iTunes, listening to it, then you will see that link and the link to Beyond Athletic. And make sure you leave us a rating and review. You can leave it for this specific speaker or you can leave it for the, the show in general. I love feedback, good or bad. I want to make this as best as possible. So sorry for talking for so long, but I am really excited and I wanted to get you guys caught up. I'm here in Finland. I've been playing my season here for Hurakani, just getting back into the swing of things literally. And I can't wait to have a great season next year somewhere else as I grow on this path as an athlete. So enjoy this episode with Reed Hall formerly of Team Canada Beach Volleyball Program and current entrepreneur running Reed's Workouts. Fantastic episode. So then what I want to do is welcome everyone to today's show. Beyond Athletic actually launched uh, 2014 around Thanksgiving. And ever since then, it's been listened to almost 17,000 times in over 75 plus countries. And I can't be more excited to say that because I just, I thought that people might need something read that would help them get out there and, and just educate themselves and just fuel their journey, right? In sport. And here we are. And so today's guest is actually someone that I've been working with physically getting my body back in shape already for the last couple of weeks. And I'm loving his plans that he makes specifically for the athlete that he's working with. And that's Reed Hall of Reed's Workouts. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Excited for this and uh, excited to help uh, educate your following. And you know, it's going to be good. Yeah. I just want to give everybody a brief background on you. And then I'm going to let you fill in any blanks if I missed anything. But Reed is a former... Canadian national team player for beach volleyball. He was an undersized athlete uh, at six feet, which I'm not sure what that is in centimeters. Do you know? 183 centimeters. Hey, oh, somebody's got it. <laughs> so let's see. He is a Canada Games gold medalist. He was a fourth place finisher at the under 18 world championships. Wow, nice job. Then your education background in what you're doing now, you have an honors degree in kinesiology and health sciences. You're a certified strength and conditioning coach. You're a certified personal trainer. And you're the captain for York University volleyball team. And you're also the proud owner of your own business, which I would not like to leave out. And I think that's amazing. And kudos to you because so many athletes get lost and it seems like you found your way running right out of the gates. So did I leave anything out? You, you hit it home pretty much. Uh, yeah. So that's me. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into it. I mean, today I know we wanted to talk about some of the things basically that people might be doing wrong, some of the things that they might not have thought of, uh, and then some of the things that really they could just like take and use without any professional instruction 
that really help them accelerate, for instance, not only their, their gains in the strength or, you know, mobility, flexibility, which goes hand in hand, but uh, speed and all that stuff. And maybe get into by positions, how these things work. So why don't we start by just talking about what do you see are the most common things that you have to deal with, with your athletes that come in and what type of sports are you working with? Uh, I work mostly with volleyball players, although I do work with some basketball players, some baseball players, but most of the athletes that come into my facility and that I do online personal training for are volleyball players. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes or issues that I see is these athletes generally do not have balance in their training. So the amount that they're practicing, competing, and the amount they're working out is off balance because one of the most important components for an athlete to get physically stronger is to have the proper amount of recovery time. So there's a few things I see with athletes. One, I see certain athletes that go as hard as they possibly can all the time and they feel miserable because they're not seeing the improvements that they should be making. Or you have the athlete that doesn't know what they're doing and they're not doing enough. So for the athlete, it's to find the proper blend of, you know, a higher intensity workout and a lower intensity workout and how that fits into your schedule so that you can perform the best when you have to compete and you also feel good for practice. The big thing is when an athlete is practicing, that's when they're really honing in and improving their skills. So if you're always feeling beaten up during practice, you're missing a lot of developmental time. So those are a couple of the small things that I see um, athletes need to improve on or, or need to increase their understanding about. Okay, awesome. I love that. Well, let's take it from there, that first main one, and just elaborate a little bit on it because I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, being a professional athlete myself, I'm currently in Finland. I'm playing for a team here where we have an enormous amount of games. It's, it's incredible, actually. I remember just a couple of weeks ago, right when we were starting, I was coming to the end of about seven or eight matches over 13 or so days. It was, wow, the load was incredible. Plus running my business with volleyball players where I represent them. And then plus running this you know, mentorship program and trying to get things just balanced for myself. You know, as an athlete, we have to spend so much time personally, hands on, you know, doing little things, whether it's our, our mental training, our physical training, our nutrition, our recovery, all these things that you're talking about. So let's kind of give people some hands on takeaways for things that they could really do, like maybe the top two, three things to get some balance between their practice competition, strength training and recovery. I think the, the biggest thing that everyone needs to understand is you need to be able to listen to your body. When your knees are feeling achy and they're sore, and when your shoulders are sore and you are not sleeping well, this means you need to take a step back and take it easy. However, if you have a ton of energy and you feel like you're recovering well and you're waking up excited and you're performing well in practice, this is a time where you can work a little bit harder in your workouts. So you need to, the big thing is understanding your body and the signals that it gets. If you are feeling drained, this means generally you need some time off and you might need to look into other things like your nutrition. So the first point I'm going to say is, once again, repeating, is knowing and understanding and listening to your body. The second thing is, is making sure that you're doing the little things to keep your body healthy. And so for someone like you, Ryan, that's in such a hectic schedule, even younger athletes, they have a hectic volleyball schedule and tournament schedule. 
is that you need to make sure you're doing the little things like mobility work to make sure your joints are articulating properly and making sure that we're building stability strength. So just simple things to keep those joints intact and making sure that, you know, our body's functioning properly because those are the most important things. When our bodies are functioning properly, there's a ton of improvements that we can make in terms of physical improvements, improvements in practice. So I'd say a take home right now is listen to your body. What is your body telling you right now? For me, I just had a cup of coffee. I'm very awake. I'm very energetic, but my joints feel really good and I feel fluid. You know, how, how about you? Do you feel like you're stiff, robotic? Is your lower back sore? If your body's feeling this way, you know you have to take care of yourself and you do the things like foam rolling, stretching, your mobility work. So listening to your body, I would say, would be the number one take-home point that you could all implement into what you're doing right now. Thanks so much. And I want to give people a little bit of direction in terms of the foam rolling aspect and then the, the few things that you could do to be getting your, your joints and muscles to be articulating well, as you said. And so, for instance, a lot of sports involve pushing or pulling, of course, but uh, throwing is in that pushing area. So shoulder, um, lower back, maybe even upper back, uh, hips, knees, ankles are the major areas, right? So what's like one example that you could give us where we, where we say it out verbally so that people can get a picture of this exercise, one exercise easy that we could be doing. 30 seconds or something, one minute with a foam roller and without a foam roller for each of those major areas. Okay. So I, I would say most athletes in general seem to be really tight through their IT band, which is just running along the side of your leg and up into your hip. For something simple, 30 seconds, just lie on your side, place a foam roller under your IT band, so under the side of your leg, and massage through that area. Spend 45 seconds to a minute just massaging through that area and letting those kind of the muscles relax and release a little bit. Let those adhesions, which is just muscular tension, relax a bit and get more blood flow to the area. So that's something very simple that you could do with a foam roller. If you don't have access to a foam roller, I really suggest you spending some time stretching out your hips because in a lot of sports like baseball or volleyball where we have hip rotation or even a box that has to rotate through our hips, these areas get really, really restricted on our body. So I'd say hips are a place that needs major focus. Okay. And then for the shoulder, let's go a little bit upper body and then go down to the extreme for, for ankles. What's, what's an example that you would say for the shoulder and the ankles? Um, for your shoulder, uh, I think the best thing that you can be doing before you're playing is getting out some elastic bands and doing some elastic band work, whether that's some external rotations or band pull-aparts, is you want to get your shoulder joints moving and you want to get that fluidity in the joint before we're doing anything and also kind of activating those muscles. So by doing just a, a simple band pull-apart where you're holding on the band and pulling apart and retracting, so pulling your shoulder blades back, you're getting the muscles in your upper back and the backside of your shoulders to start to fire. So most shoulder issues or nagging tension often comes from the muscle in your upper back and the backside of your shoulders not being strong enough. And that's where you see people with their shoulders rotated for. So that would give you cranky pain that kind of lasts ongoing. Mm -hmm. But people that just have shoulder pain say you're going to throw a baseball or hit a volleyball or throw a punch early on in your workout, it's because the shoulder's not physically ready. So if I can suggest anything, that, or if I can suggest something to everyone, make sure you have an elastic band. It's doing elastic band work. It's part of your common routine, both 
before competition, before practice, and before you work out. And then I want to throw in there that people make sure that you're taking away from this. What, what we're saying is that if you want to create this balance, right, Reed, you want to throw in some mobility work before you start your training period. So that means have your band and have your roller ready, show up a little earlier, start doing those things before you do anything else. So that means before you start doing your running to get warm and blah, 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 because you want to bring blood flow and bring balance and attention to these areas because just being mindful of the correct movements I know actually helps you perform these movements during your workouts without thinking of it because your, your muscle memory will remember these things. So thanks for uh, throwing out some examples for us. At the end, we'll have, to, we'll have to grab a band and show them just a few things that we can do upper, mid, and, and lower body real quick for five minutes. But that'll be in the bonus section and anybody who's signing up for the, the mailing list and things like that for Reed or me, um, you will definitely get that. So let's talk a little bit about periodizing their training in the off season. I know this is a big topic with athletes. This is something that I've struggled with. Um, I know that sometimes I'll, I'll just, I'll basically, I'll go and I'll say, okay, I'm going to work out two, three, four times this week, right? Or for the next few weeks. And then what I'll do is I'll just show up Five minutes before, I'll write out my workout plan. I'll remember what I did the last time. Maybe I'll keep that all in my phone. And then I'll, I'll, I'll basically cookie cutter exercises and things like that into my schedule. And sometimes I'll be doing it in the morning, afternoon, night. And you know, it gets kind of hectic. And that's why I actually came to you and hired you because I wanted someone who is specialized in this, an expert that could really help me listen to my body, like you said but also get these things just so I could do them and make it happen and I could make my own schedule and stick to it. So what are some tips for that? Well, the first thing when you're thinking about periodizing your off-season training, so think from the moment, you know, your last game, your last match of the season, and then starting training again, I feel like people generally get really excited, a lot of people for off-season training, and they go a little bit too hard too fast. You need a plan of attack and you need programs that essentially build off each other. So what I see is you have the really excited athlete, they enter their off season and you see they're going to be back squatting a ton. They're performing these explosive Olympic lifts and they're just working themselves to the ground. What they find is when they actually enter season the next year, they didn't really improve very much. So you actually need things periodized to lead you on a journey or a path so that the following year or the next season starting, you're a way better physical version of yourself. So if you're just starting your off season, doesn't matter whether you're a high-level athlete or a lower-level athlete, you want to establish your foundation. And what I mean by this, at the end of your season, for the repetitive task in your sports, you cause all kinds of asymmetries and imbalances in your body. This means your right side could be stronger than your left side. This might mean your right shoulder blade articulates better than your left shoulder blades. This might mean your hips are a little off. If you are going to go and work really hard for the next four months, say in your offseason, and you don't correct these imbalances, you're essentially putting strength on top of an imbalance that holds them in place. And then next season, you're going to find that you're going to get really injured. So for a first phase or, you know, you just starting your off season, you want to work on some more mechanically simple movements. So think about like a single leg deadlift, a lunge variation, different planking variations. And these exercises can be challenging. But the thing is, you want to keep your movement simple and you want to focus on recovering those imbalances in your body. 
And the reason you want to do this is now as you move into the next program, you can really focus on getting a lot stronger and say a lot stronger through your complex lifts, like say a back squat and a deadlift. Once you've established this foundation, your ability to improve is increased a ton. Like that, that plateau or that, that potential that you have is so much higher. But if you don't fix and improve those imbalances, they're going to linger on. So phase one, establish your foundation. Phase two, you want to get way stronger relative to your body. It doesn't matter what sport is. You being stronger relative to your body weight is so, so important. And then as you move on from there, you can focus on more, depending on what your sport is, some more explosive type of movements. You know, you add in a lot more conditioning. But the big thing what people are missing is that foundation. If you forget to do that or you don't do that foundation in your first phase, your potential to improve is so much low, is not nearly as high. So that's something that really needs to be focused upon. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that. And I do agree with you. And that's why we're working together. And I look forward to actually this summer, which won't be an off season for me at all, because I'll be going straight into beach volley. So I might be hitting you up for some beach volley tips since I've never really <laughs> been in that seriously, seriously. But this summer I will be. So what I'd like to do is just kind of take it back to the focus of this whole podcast. And if somebody, you know, got a little off track and is wondering what this is all about and how it can really help them, what we're trying to do here, Reed and I, is give you some sort of guidelines to be able to do things on your own once you've already set them up. So, I mean, some takeaways are that you need to be prepared, which means that you need to have a plan. And so in that plan, you're going to have to have some things. And so that's what we're going to come to now. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that because I know this is something that you definitely see as one of the, the things that athletes don't really always have is a clear vision and goals and all of this. And I know that I've talked about this a bunch and a lot of people talk to me about it. And uh, I think having that vision first, the goals, making that plan, writing it out, having it in front of you, and then going after it, those are all steps to one thing. And that's accomplishing what you want to accomplish, however you can accomplish it. So what, what do you see as being these things that uh, people can do to have a clearer vision and have better goals when we're talking about the physical aspect of you know, getting stronger, faster, leaner, whatever? Okay, well, I'd first just say like having a vision and you be able to see the things that you want to improve on, whether that's short term or long term, is extremely powerful. But if you don't have a plan of attack of how to actually reach this vision or where you want to see yourself, then this vision is just a dream. So you need to actually plan things accordingly. So for me as myself, I'm going to talk about myself here with my training. I know I want to improve my 50 meter sprint time. Okay, so that's something that I want to improve on. And I know I want to be, you know, I want to try and shake 0.03 seconds off of that within the next three months. So now I have a vision of something I want to work on. And now I have a goal by a certain time. With that big goal, I need a bunch of smaller goals that kind of lead me in that direction. So for me personally, right now, this is the three month mark before I want to reach this goal is right now, I, I'm essentially what I'm talking about before establishing that foundation for a couple of weeks. So I'm strong, I'm physical, I'm working a little bit on the technique of my running. And then I'm going to really build upon that. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to get more powerful. So the things I really want to set home here is you need to be writing things down and you need to be recording. 
Something that's very effective, whether this is at the beginning of practice when you're warming up or say you're foam rolling before your workout, this is when you should be visualizing the things that you want to improve on, whether that's a volleyball specific task or if that's you improving your 50 meter time. I really think you having the vision on your mind as much as possible is going to help you get there. But then having a vision is not enough. You need these goals written down and you need structure to your training. Having goals are like little mini visions that you can see and you're trying to achieve and you feel great when you achieve these small goals. But if you don't actually have structure in your training where you're recording your results and you see how you're improving week by week, then these visions, these goals are just a dream. So things need to be structured. So one, I think it'd be very effective for the viewers, write down a vision, something like short term that you want to visualize yourself. You want to see yourself. So for me, if, if, I, if I'm a sprinter, if you know, I, I want to see myself running a more powerfully right now. I want to visualize myself maybe in a competition sprinting. Although I'm not a sprinter, but this is a goal that I have. So have a vision, visualize that. Maybe there's a bigger picture or maybe you and your sports where you want to see yourself improving. Some. Visualize that during your warm-up. Have it on your mind. And so you can really channel your focus during your training. So make sure, write down a few things of things that you'd want to visualize, and now write down a few goals. Set a big long-term goal that's going to be a challenge for you to achieve. Write that big long-term goal down, whether that's you back squatting more weight, sprinting faster, jumping higher, whatever that is. And then you're going to have to have a series of short-term goals that are going to lead you on that path. You writing these things down are very powerful. You recording your results of your workout, so writing down the weight that you used, you know, and then seeing in the future weeks how you've improved, that's very powerful. But if nothing's written down and you don't have a clear vision and you don't have goals set in place, then unfortunately, you're not really going to be going anywhere. So you need to have this in place. Uh, Excellent, excellent, excellent advice. And I just want to take it even one step further and just say that it is. There, there's lots of empirical evidence that this is true. You can, if you can not only visualize something, if you can not only set some goals, if you can write them down, and then if you can record results along the way, plus put these things in front of yourself so that you see them daily. Like for instance, uh, above my oven, I have some written down with a wet erase marker because I have a little glass sheet and I'm two meters. So I'm looking down over the oven cooking and I see this goal that I have. And I know for this week what I have to accomplish. If I, for instance, go to my phone, I have on there, check, have you made, have you made these goals? You know, I have no days off. Have you made your goals? And so I have to look when I see that okay, what did I do this time? How can I push the envelope so that I can reach this next goal if I didn't get there already? So definitely a lot of science behind what you're saying. But also personally, I know that that works. And I'm doing that all the time. I would actually I thought of something great. So Reed and I are working together. And what I want to do is I want to take with Reed's permission, the basic outline of my Uh, workout, not the actual exercises, but the way I've set it up as a document, a spreadsheet to track the days, the exercises, so you could fill in your own exercises. But uh, basically, Reed, you don't mind if I share with them that I have three days and what they're doing, right? Absolutely fine. Yeah, no problem. So what I love is that Reed's program is like this, and and it's not uh, uncommon knowledge in the elite sports world that you need to give certain muscle groups rest. So day one is more of a leg slash upper body, but more focused on leg workout for me. Day two 
is a more upper body life focus workout and less on the legs, but there's legs also. So the great thing is that I'm doing some strength for my legs on one day and the other day I'm resting them, but I'm doing some speed work and some, some other things that are still attacking those legs, but not as hardcore. And then I have a whole body focus day. And so I have all of this down. I track not only what I'm doing in terms of reps and weights and uh, notes after each one, when I finish a set, uh, or if it's like, you know, a bunch of exercises that I have to do together, I wrote, I write notes about each one, like how I felt, if I finished them all, if I felt any pain, blah, blah, blah. I'm putting my weight down every day and I'm going to bring that into my spreadsheet. So I'm tracking these things because I have goals in weight, strength, uh, flexibility, all these types of things. So thanks for that info. I think people can take a lot from that. What I want to talk about now is I want to turn it more towards the mobility flexibility part Mm -hmm. because this plays such a huge role. And I want you to take over the answer on why it plays such a huge role, but it plays such a huge role in our performance and just in our general happiness, like you said today, hey, I just had a coffee and I'm feeling loose and I'm feeling good. But there's people out there that might have that coffee and might feel super awake and then they feel like absolute crap. Their body's just like aching, you know, they're tight. So what role does mobility and flexibility and what's the difference between those two? What roles do they play in an athlete's life? Okay. First off, uh, the first thing I want to talk about, so the difference between mobility and flexibility, I want you to think about like mobility is how your joints articulate and function. So, you know, my shoulder moving in certain ranges of motion, that means it's a mobile shoulder. Flexibility, think about if your muscle is very short and very tight, it's not going to be a very flexible muscle. It's not going to be overly supple. So mobility is more how the joint articulates. Flexibility is kind of the, the length of the muscle and the elasticity in the muscle. So um, those are two different things to, to hammer home first off. Um, some things to need to think about when it comes to mobility. Say you're really, really restricted in a certain area of your body. For me, I'm going to say that my shoulder's extremely tight. It doesn't move well. It's tight. You got to understand it's not always what I'm doing with my shoulder that the reasons it's really tight, you got to look at other areas of your body. So for instance, my shoulder could be really tight because my back is really restricted. So say I'm going to punch someone, I'm going to hit a volleyball, I'm going to throw a baseball, I need to be able to rotate my hips and have good flexibility in my back. But if that area is really tight, what's going to happen now is I'm going to have to get more range of motion in my shoulder in order to compensate. And what happens is my shoulder gets really achy, it gets really sore, and then it eventually gets tight. So you got to always think it's not always the joint that you're working on, the joint that's really tight that's the problem. Often it's one joint below or one joint above. So it's not enough just to work on the mobility of that specific joint. You need to work on the mobility of your whole body if you are someone that's tight and restricted. Um, I'm going to say the first most important area to start with when it comes to mobility and flexibility is your ankles. If your ankles are tight and restricted, you're going to have knee pain, your hips are going to be off, your movements, you're going to be compensating on your movements. So the first thing is you want to do some active mobility work for your ankles. So for me in a typical day, when I start my my warm-up, I'm just doing what I call some Uh, sorry, what I call pedaling. And basically, I'm just pushing my opposite heels towards the ground. So I'm in kind of like a plank position, a high plank position, and pushing my opposite heels towards the ground, getting a nice big stretch in my calves. Um, This is kind of help loosening up the area. I'll also take a lacrosse ball, a hard ball, massage it through my calves. I'll massage it through the bottom of my foot, and I'll really help get those areas to release. Because once again, 
if your ankles are really restricted, which they commonly are, a lot of people have a really restricted ankle just from driving too much. Their foot's constantly on the gas or the brake or, you know, mm-hmm. sitting improperly or doing a joint where it's a lot of repetitive issues. We got to get that ankle joint functioning well because that will lead to knee discomfort, hip issues. So starting with the ankle joint and move all the way up through your whole body. And, you know, it's got to be mobility um, for you. So if I'm going to be something, if I'm going to be doing something before a workout or before training, I want a more active mobility type of things. I don't want to be sitting down and holding a stretch for too long because you getting your muscles longer or losing that elasticity leeches power from you. And you want to be a strong, powerful athlete. So the ideal formula that you could be doing before you're working out is taking a hard ball and lacrosse ball, massaging through your body, taking 10 minutes to go through your body. If you have somewhere that's not overly tight, then maybe you don't need a foam roller lacrosse ball, but going through those tight restricted areas and then taking 10 or 15 minutes to do some active mobility work. And what active mobility work is, kind of the same thing as, well, it is the same thing as dynamic stretching. So it's kind of doing movement and stretching at the same time. So me doing, you know, a body weight squat variation or a side lunging variation or, you know, um, doing like uh, skipping with high knees or karaoke. These are things that get your body moving, delivering more blood flow to your body, but also gets our joints articulating properly, which is really important. Say you don't get your joints to articulate properly and warm enough, and then you're right into practice or your game. You're compensating for all those movements that you're doing, and that's what's going to cause a lot of underlying issues. Those are what's going to cause overuse injuries. So your warm-up and what you do before your training is absolutely crucial. I love what you're saying there, and I just want to elaborate a little more on some of those things and let people know that there are options for all of these things that you're doing. Like, for instance, if a lacrosse ball, and I actually want to post some videos because there's great videos talking about the benefits of just rolling out the the arches and your feet and your whole foot but really focusing in on the arch and all of that and and how that can release tension all the way up the chain uh somebody that i i know we both follow and uh and learned a lot from is kelly starrett he's been on the show before and he talks about like you said if you feel pain somewhere then it's usually up or down the chain meaning like if it's in your shoulder then it could be somewhere up in the neck area something like that or down in the, the mid to lower back or maybe even lower who knows but you need to be starting somewhere and you don't have to do it with the lacrosse ball at first if it's really really painful some people have super sensitive feet like myself and i had to start with a tennis ball because it was just easier to get in there and loosen it up and now that i've done it with a tennis ball for a while I actually moved on to a lacrosse ball because things are less sensitive and less tight. So that was one thing. And then another thing that you talked about was the dynamic warm-up or the, the mobility exercises, which are basically the same, um, and static stretching before trainings. I just want people out there to know static stretching is when you hold a stretch for a length of time that's, that's longer than how long would you say? Uh, 30 seconds to 60 seconds is normally how long yeah. someone would hold a stretch. So what you want to do before these trainings, Reed, I think you'll agree, is before you're really going to start your, your, your actual training, your weights, your, your whatever you're doing in your sport, it's really not good to be doing these long holds because what you're actually doing is you're stretching those muscles like, for instance, a rubber band. Let's say that's what they should be. But you're stretching them out and they're becoming weaker before you start doing your exercise when you hold them that long. And that's what can lead to some injuries. So you want to save that to the end. And that's where flexibility comes into the question. Like, so 
I know that the mobility exercises are going to offer us up some, some flexibility, right, Reed? But mm-hmm. um, these mobility sizes that are taking us through the full range of motion, which is very important for our joints to have, it, they, they are great in doing that primary job. But the after workout, what should we be focusing on in flexibility with really getting attention to the muscles and not just like holding a stretch and going, okay, I'm stretching out my hamstring right now. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm texting. I'm doing whatever. Uh, how does mindfulness, let's say, and mm-hmm. breathing and these things being present in the moment come into factor when you're talking about stretching after? Well, uh, first of all, when you're, when you're stretching, if you are like stressed out or, you know, you're holding a stretch and it's causing you a pain signal and, you know, you're getting, you know, scrunched up in your face, you're making these tight facial expressions and, you know, you're panic breathing. Your muscles can't relax if that's what's happening. So you actually need to focus on your breath. So you want to think inhale through your nose very slowly, letting your your gut or your stomach expand and then come back out of your body really slowly. Um, You know, this is a time where you can visualize and kind of meditate and stretch. And when you're able to get into that kind of meditative state, you're really able to stretch your body. And that's something where you can get some greater range of motion. But the, the, the thing that I should really add on here is every athlete is different, okay? Certain athletes need stretching a lot more than other athletes. A lot of female athletes are actually hypermobile, which means they have excessive range of motion. So you can see that athlete where, you know, their elbow joint, they got that extra range, they got that extra range of their knee joint, and they can make all these funny positions with their body. Well, essentially, all their joints are really unstable. So by stretching, actually doing static stretching for them is actually putting them at an increased risk of getting injured. So for someone like them, they just need to be releasing more tight muscles. So at the end of a workout, they're not going to do the conventional stretching. They're going to lay out on a foam roller and massage their muscles. But most guys, we're on the other side of the coin. We are very tight. We are extremely restricted. And so for us, stretching is absolutely crucial. And once again, kind of like with our mobility work, how we're working from our ankle all the way up through our body is we want to do the same thing with our stretches. Not all stretches need to be us just sitting in a fixed position and stretching there the whole time. We can still be doing active type of stretching. You know, we can add a band into our stretches. We can be a little bit more creative with some of the things that we're doing. But if you are tight and restricted and lack range of motion in your joints, this often means that you need to be stretching more. If you have very, very mobile joints and can get some really crazy range of motions, I really recommend that you stay away from static stretching at the end of your workout. I love it. This is great advice. Uh, I know we're coming up on the end here. The last five minutes of really what I want to give people at this end is I want to talk a little bit more about what you're doing with your program and give people an, an idea of what you offer them. Based on, for instance, let's say Reed's workouts, I know you're, you're definitely targeting a lot of volleyball players since that's your background. And since that's a large part of our, our uh, fan base and, and listener base, I'd like to attack that, but also bring in the other sports. But specifically as an example, if we're training as athletes by position, there is no one solve all you know, uh, workout plan for everyone. So what are the differences, say, between the positions uh, of like volleyball, where you have uh, middles, you have opposites, you have outsides, you have setters, you have liberos, you have all these different positions and different skill sets that people need to be training for and how, let's say, examples of how they differ. Mm -hmm. So you're going to say someone like, 
a libero versus a power hitter or a left side. So the libero's position is much different. A libero in volleyball, they're only playing defense. They're only passing. Where a left side, you know, they're attacking a lot of balls, they're jumping, they're blocking, they're pretty much doing everything. So for someone like a libero, a lot of their training needs to be on foot speed and foot speed work, especially if they're a slower low libero, or sorry, a slower libero, then be able to have a big radius of the court or a big area that they can cover on defense is so important. So them having a faster first step, them being fluid with their footwork, those things are really crucial components for a libero. So a libero, to have those fast movements, they, one, need to get technically better at those movements. So that could be different speed and agility exercise. And two, the other way to get better at that is they need to be stronger, more powerful through their core and their lower body. So those are the two major things that they improve on. But for someone like a left side player, they're going to have a lot of shoulder issues. You know, their back might be really, really tight because they're doing this arm swing where they're rotating through the ball over and over and over again. They also are jumping and landing so many times. So the imbalances in a left side or a power hitter are much different than what you normally find in a libero. So things with a power hitter, there's just so many things you have to be a lot more careful with. Like you got to make sure you're doing the proper amount of shoulder rehab work so their shoulder functions properly it's strong has enough stability strength so when i say stability strength that soft tissue strong so essentially you need kind of that coating of armor around your shoulder and same thing with uh, the left side you got to be very mindful of their knees because you know if they're overly restricted and their 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 knees are, aren't tracking properly when they're jumping or they're moving they're going to get discomfort in their knee they might get patellar tendonitis they might tear an acl so you have to be very careful with those areas with a left side player, where a libero, you don't have to focus on quite as much because they're not doing quite as many jumps or arm swings. Bringing in a setter, a setter is also more like a libero where, you know, they need to be very fast and agile on their feet. They need to be able to change directions really quickly. So for someone like a libero, it's really important that they can get behind a ball really fast. They can run and sprint down and chase down a ball and really shoot that ball, set that ball to the whole other side of the court. So it's very important to be able to get them strong through a kinetic movement that involves their legs, their upper body, and, you know, setting the ball. So each position, kind of as Ryan mentioned, are very different in volleyball. So the things and components in their program need to accommodate that. The biggest thing and the most important thing in the programming is kind of your rehab or prehab. So injury preventative type of exercise that they do before their workout. Because the fact is, getting an athlete stronger relative to their body weight they're going to improve. They're going to be more powerful. They're going to be more dynamic. However, you got to keep your athletes healthy. If you are sidelined because of an injury, you're not getting much better there sitting on the bench. So each position, there needs to be different things you focus on for your prehab work to keep you safe and keep you healthy throughout the season. Thanks for that. I, I, I love what you're, you're talking about here. And I just, I could talk about this forever. I know you could talk about it forever, but we don't have forever. So <laughs> what I want to do is I want to give people a last Last little bit of gold here before we, we finish up the podcast and then go into a little extra bonus section where we show a few exercises over maximum five minutes, specifically one thing for common jumping and running injury or issue, which is patellar tendonitis. Maybe you have some ideas on that. What I'd like to do now is just everyone out there, usually in the jumping sports, okay, obviously, for sure in the jumping sports, they always want to know, how can I jump higher? So let's give some people out there, let's say an exercise or two, some idea of what to do that would give them some results in the off season to get their vertical higher 
And uh, I want you to sell it to us as, as in, because I know your program's working. I yeah. already feel great and I'm in season. So I want people out there to see that they could do something alone, see how great it is. And then I want them coming back to Reed's workout. I'm going to say about 80% of athletes that come to me for my training, that's the number one thing they want to improve is how high they can jump. Everyone wants that increase your vertical. You want to be adding inches to your jump. It really comes from two ways. One, you getting stronger and more powerful relative to your body weight, you're going to for sure jump higher. But that's a process of getting stronger. So that, that's one. Number two is you actually getting technically better at jumping. So you using the mechanics of your body better. So uh, sorry, I'm going to give you a little bit of a suggestion or something you can do for each of those things to really improve. So in terms of strength for your body, one of the best exercises to increase your vertical would be back squats or deadlifts because this is a full body kinetic movement. We're using a lot of muscles in our body. If I'm jumping, I'm not just using my legs. I'm also using my core. I'm using my arms. So it's a very dynamic movement. So you getting stronger at your complex lifts, your back squats, uh, your deadlifts, you know, some of your Olympic, uh, Olympic lifting variations, those are what's really going to help you add inches to your vertical. But I also see a lot of people that just suck at jumping. And I'm sorry for using the word suck, but when they're jumping, they don't get their glutes back far enough. They're not using their glutes, their hamstrings, their arm drive powerfully enough. So by simply, you know, working on jumping exercise where they're focused on getting their glutes set back, you know, their back angle at 45 degrees and really focusing on extending through our legs, driving our hips up and forward and using a powerful arm drive, they can find that they can actually improve their vertical fairly quickly because they're learning how to use their body better. So I'm going to give an example here. Someone that jumps and their torso is very straight up and down. So think they're squatting straight up and down and they jump from that position. Think they might only be using, you know, 50% of their muscle fibers, not a good loaded position to jump from. But if we could teach that athlete how to hinge properly, so what I mean by hinging is pushing their glutes back and having their arms set properly, they're going to use, say, 75% of their muscle fibers, so much more of their muscle fibers. Right there, they're going to be a lot more powerful. So for an athlete in their training, there has to be part of your training where you're really focusing on getting stronger through your complex lifts. And you need a component where you know, have some plyometric exercise that work on the specific technical elements of jumping. As, this is gold, I'm telling you. And I want to throw in there, there's something else that athletes may think like, wow, you got to do all these things. You got to think about all these things. And I'm going to throw even more in there for you to think about. And that it is important. And I've even studied video of myself. Like I'll, I'll, I'll video myself from the front and from the side jumping during uh for instance my service or attacking and then during blocking i'm looking for basically areas where i might be doing something critical to take away from my jumping ability whether that's not getting my arms fully back during the the back swing and fully lowly or fully loaded low position or if it's my knees going in instead of staying over my ankles or just a little bit out and strong Things like that, or keeping my core tight or loose, my breath, what I'm doing when I'm like while I'm jumping, if I'm breathing in or out at the wrong time. So there's so many different elements, and I think Reed, you can help them a lot with that. And I know that if you have some videos that we can put up for people as kind of teasers to to show them uh, in the show notes of this podcast, that would be fantastic. So Mm -hmm. what I want to do now before I ask you one final question and let you take it away with how people can get in contact with you and check out more about you besides what will already be linked up and what we've talked about. What I'd like to talk about right now is if, if people out there are 
searching for some some advice, if they're looking for a way to get better, who are the people that you look at in in nutrition, you know, weightlifting, conditioning, all these things, like the top two or three people you look at to uh, get better? For um so for athletes that are overhead athletes, so a volleyball player that does arm swings or a baseball player or you know someone that punch, I think the best person to follow strength training wise is a guy named Eric Cressy. He owns two gyms, uh, one in Boston and one in Florida, and he specializes on shoulder health. And for all those sports that I mentioned, the healthier shoulder is really critical. So I think he's very, very important. He's actually the head strength and conditioning coach of USA Baseball. <clears throat> so I'll re- repeat that again. Eric Cressy, in terms of you know keeping your body physically prepared, making sure your joints function properly and getting stronger, that guy's got a ton of gold, a lot of knowledge. So I'd say that'd be one very good guy. If you are very tight and restricted and someone that's not overly mobile, I think Kelly Starrett is a very good person to follow. This is someone that Ryan and myself have both mentioned earlier. So mobility, flexibility type of things. Kelly Starrett would be a really good one. Um, A really good um, site, I guess, to follow nutrition-wise would be called Precision Nutrition. Um, And there's a lot of guys that contribute writing there, but they've got a ton of gold things. And, you know, you'd be able to understand how to properly balance your meals throughout the day, what you should be having before you work out, what you should be having afterwards, what you should be having during. There's a lot of tidbits there that are very helpful. So once again, Eric Cressy for strength training aspects, Kelly Starrett for mobility and flexibility aspects. and following precision nutrition would be a good one for the diet and the health related things uh, in that sense. God, I love it. So before I give it away to you to give people ways to connect with you and check out your product and, and really I hope a lot of people sign up after hearing this and, and give it a go at what you're doing and these, plan, these plans that you're building for athletes. Um, I just want to say that I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for the fact that you've gone outside of the typical let's say, realm of what athletes do. And, and that's, they don't take their knowledge and spread it somehow. And I love that you're spreading it in a way that actually helps support yourself and others. So it's a business. And I think that you're doing it in a fantastic way because you are hands-on. And in, in my short time that I've known you, you've been very caring in terms of making sure the feedback loop is going, hey, here's the plan. How is it working? How can I change this and modify it to get the better results for you? How can I keep you pain-free? All these things. And I really, I just thank you for doing that and going towards that and making sure you keep this, this level of excellence because I think that's, that's so special and rare. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And uh, you're, you're a real treat to help. Like you're, you're a very focused athlete. So me, uh, me, I enjoy my days because I'm constantly talking with athletes. So helping someone improve, especially at your caliber, you know, it's a, it's a real treat. And I appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. So before I give it to you, I'm going to ask you this one last question. And that is, what is your definition of being more than an athlete going above and beyond whether you're that, that lower level athlete just starting or whether you're that elite level you know, Olympic athlete, what would be your definition of going above and beyond? I think you have to be a daydreamer or someone that's visualizing constantly. And I know I talked about visualization earlier, but for me, business wise, when I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking I have a clear picture of everything that I need to get done the day. For me as an athlete, 
You know, I'd be commonly visualizing me hitting a huge ball down the line or me visualizing one day me being on the national team. So I think for someone to be a high performer in any aspect of your life, you need to be a little bit of a daydreamer and visualize. And sometimes your daydreams and visualization have to be something so lofty where, you know, they're really, really, really tough to achieve. So I say set your vision and goals up in the stars. But, you know, if you don't achieve it, you know, you're still going to make it somewhere high and somewhere special. So visualize, daydream, set lofty goals and go after them with an uncanny focus. I love that. That's definitely that's in contention for the title of this episode. I just want you to know that. So how can people find you, check you out in social media, your your company website, all that good stuff? So uh, um, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Reed's Workouts. Uh, I'm posting short videos of my athletes putting in work there. Um, I have a pretty big Facebook following. So facebook.com slash Reed's Workouts. Those would be the two best places to find me social media wise. But if you want to get in contact me, with me, just come visit my main website, which is www.reads-workouts.com. I would love to hear you. I'd love to help you. Um, yeah. Brad, thanks so much for being on. And I will let everyone know how the next couple weeks of my trial run with Reed goes. But I can tell you already, I'm loving it. And I'm feeling stronger, more mobile, and more flexible already. So thanks for listening. And make sure if anybody out there you feel could benefit from being stronger, faster, more flexible, more mobile, share this episode with them. All right. Thanks so much, Reed. And until next time, guys, check out Beyond Athletics. Hey, you guys, I'm back and tons of great info in this uh, last episode with Reed Hall of Reed's Workouts. Listen, if you love this episode, if you liked it, if you enjoyed it in any way, if you learned anything at all, please share it, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the cover art, and just put beyondathletic.com as the source of this episode. But for sure, go check out Reed Hall speaking on mobility and these things, but also off-season training, what you should be doing, in the Athlete Blab. It's the first ever Athlete Blab. It is a fantastic event. I've always wanted to have something like this where we can educate athletes on a live platform where they can type in questions, comments, share it, save it, learn so much. And I think that you, if you love this show, you're gonna love that event and you're gonna look forward to the next time we're doing it. So make sure you make your way over there. You can go to blab.im forward slash beyond athletic and you can see past ones. If you go to blab.im forward slash fit AX cultures, you will find all of our blabs. It's live. Last option is to sign up at bit.ly forward slash athlete blab. And there you'll definitely get redirected to our live content over these two days, March 15th and March 16th. If you're late to that, don't worry, there'll be something. So if you subscribed on one of those links, you will definitely be able to still see those past sessions. Check them out, share them like always. And until next time, make sure you keep educating yourself on the go whenever possible. Keep growing. Get a little bit outside of your comfort zone at all times 
and you will definitely accomplish what you've set out to accomplish as an athlete and person in life. So thank you so much. And if you're thinking about helping with Beyond Athletic in any way, shape or form, you want to be on the team, go to beyondathletic.com forward slash help. Catch up with you next time. Please stay tuned.